I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and Bobby is my hobby, and I'm giving him up. <laughs> and my name is Colin Drucker, and that can't be blocked. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know why that's like my favorite line from the whole fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> Barbara Barry. Barbara Barry. Oh, yeah. my Lord. Best Supporting Podcast alum, assistant to the Best Supporting Actress of Private Benjamin, and of course, one potato, two potato oh, yes. star. I want my <laughs> baby. baby. My Bobby baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, obviously, we are here to talk about specifically the original cast album uh, documentary of company yes. um, and by extension company in general mm. uh, and I'm I'm so excited about this I'm just so excited yeah. I feel well um, I know that you are I always think of RuPaul when he when he says he came out as a musical theater queen but I feel like you had a little bit of musical theater queen in you your whole life even if you dabbled just in uh, you know the last five years yes. and I and I <laughs> <laughs> It's and I and that can't be blocked are my two like touchstones yes. of musical yes. theater. <laughs> Put it on a tote bag. There we go. Totally. Yeah. One side says and I, another side says that can't be blocked. Yes. Um, yeah. Company. I mean, so I did that whole in the details episode on my Bobby Baby thirty fifth birthday. Yeah. Uh, about my awakening to Company to the original cast recording, and like, I mean, I like the the thing that I sort of took away from that was because I eventually saw the. 2006 revival and we're supposed to see the Broadway revival uh, with Patty but you know corona so um yeah. so I I kind of always was like attached to this original cast recording as like you know and especially Elaine Stritch to you know bury the lead a little as like yeah. the definitive version of this uh even of though I'd obviously never seen the production um but this was like the the version of company that always sounded right to me because it was the mm -hmm. one that I like obsessed on and obsessed with the most. Um, and so like seeing like this actual, like I hadn't realized, and I know this is silly, but I hadn't realized that this documentary would give me like the clearest view into like what it looked like to watch Elaine Stritch perform ladies who lunch, you know? Yeah. Ugh, what a gift. Uh, <laughs> I mean, multiple times. Like, I mean, that was just, you know, I, I'm so proud of the gays and all of the musical theater adjacent folks who recognized this like 10 minutes of Elaine Stritch trying to record Ladies Who Lunch is, is just 
legendary. It was a cultural reset before we knew what cultural resets were. I know. Four glasses of champagne in Elaine Stritch trying oh. to record that song at like, what, four in the morning or totally, something like that? Totally. And that scene earlier in the documentary where you see, and I'm obsessed with the fact that it's Hal Prince, Stephen Sondheim, uh, the, the writer, the playwright, and Elaine Stritch sitting together yeah. having coffee. Oh, like, hi, Elaine. <laughs> Oh, hi, Elaine. Oh, hi, Elaine. Maybe my other favorite line is, oh, hi, Elaine. (laughs) But you can kind of hear her, you know, say to the, to the, you know, waiter, whoever, oh, can I get a light beer? So I heard that. I heard that. (laughs) Um, Now, what, what is your, you know, your experience with company? What's your, what's your background with company? I started listening to company probably in, it was not one that I feel like the, the good Sondheim, as I was saying, like the good vanilla, like on a garden. Mm-hmm. Like, um, not that there is bad Sondheim. That's not how I necessarily wanted that to um, come out. But the good musicals, I will say. It's like when you grow up, you listen to like, you know, you go on, you get into your Andrew Lloyd Webber phase mm-hmm. and you listen to Phantom and maybe some other things or maybe whatever you do in high school. It's like what you're pretty much like that does shape a lot of like a young musical theater person's uh you know, taste, I guess, too. But I'd Mm -hmm. say I found it on my own. I knew that it existed probably about, like, 2008 is probably when I started. Like, it was, like, near the end of my college career, even though I was nowhere near 35. But I, I remember, like, I remember the first time, like, sitting in a room where, like, being alive, like, made sense. Even though I was, Mm. like, 24 and I knew nothing, I was like, yeah. I know what this means. And then, like, the first time I was like, company, company. Like, yeah. just like, <laughs> I felt like Liz Lemon when she's like, face off, face it's off. When she's like, that movie has layers. Yeah. That's so good. Oh, um, I know. It's the same thing. I'm like, oh, company. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Company. company. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's great. So, um, with that being said, too, it's like, th- this is one album, even if you, I feel like it's like this strange exception to the rule because like typically when you listen to a cast album sometimes there are revivals and sometimes those the the newer ones are maybe what you're drawn to but i i think at that point the revival had been out with raul esparza and um i love raul esparza i think he's a great actor i don't always like love his voice i think it can be a little grating Mm -hmm. but i love him i've watched interviews with him he seems like such a such a doll, as mm. I feel like Elaine Stritch would call people a doll. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and Company itself is just, it's in my top five. And it probably is in my top three favorite Sondheim shows as well. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I feel just love like, it. I feel like that's like, that was kind of once I kind of had, had Company in my bones, you know. I was like, okay, so what... It, where's the list of like, if you like this, you'll like this, you know? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. what's the natural progression from company to what? Like, I, I've i heard lots of great things about Sweeney Todd, but I'm like, oh, that seems so different. That seems like a totally different world, you know? Yeah, I mean, here's the other thing that will not surprise you is that I, I don't know all of Sondheim's, like my Sondheim collection is like merrily we roll along mm-hmm. into the woods company it's like i yeah. i this is i know i'm gonna rattle a lot of i almost said rattle a lot of cages here but uh <laughs> um i have listened to sweeney todd all the way through 
I never have found an entry point for it. I'm not saying it's bad. Don't write me okay. letters. I have mm-hmm. just never found the same attachment. And I, but I do love the music. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's like I, because everyone says, and especially like Sunday in the Park with George, maybe might be another. Because um, I know that's like a masterpiece, mm-hmm. and and or so I've heard, and it like won the Pulitzer Prize and all that stuff. Um, uh, but I just never sat down and listened to it. And I know I probably really like it, and I just never have done it yet. So, so sue me. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I, I now that you're mentioning all these other shows, it's like, well, I've, I've seen Sunday in the Park with George. I've seen Into the Woods. I've seen Into the Woods a few times. Like, I've seen a live production. I've seen the filmed Joanna Gleason version. I've seen the movie version with Meryl. And I like Into the Woods, but I think... And the music's great, but I think it comes down to like what's exciting about company and what I guess I'm looking for in similar shows is really the story and the setting. And I think that's what I think is so cool about company is that it's, yes, it's a musical, but it's about these very mundane things. And it's just about like dinner parties and yes. couples doing karate and dieting together and, and women who, you know, take classes in optical art and, you know, wish that they would pass like all of these, Mm -hmm. these sort of mundane everyday urban suburban plight kind of topics are the subject of a musical. And I think that juxtaposition is so interesting. Whereas into the woods, I'm like, well, yeah, of course it's a musical. It's all these fairy tales. And like, I get that it's, you know, so much more more Act two is a whole thing. And I, I don't deny that, but I think, uh, being a, not a classic musical theater queen, I think my my entry points are like, okay, but where are the musicals that feel like Junebug or that feel like, you know, sure. uh, where is the Laurie Metcalf in Lady, in Lady Bird of musicals? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, that's kind of what I want to find. And so I think Company does that so well. It does. It does. I'm, I'm looking at a list here too, and I'm sure all the Sondheim fans are just like screaming into their phone. But um, I think maybe, too, that you might want to look into is maybe even a little night music or Follies. I feel mm-hmm. like you'd really like Follies. I, I don't know a lot about Follies. I know there's a lot of women. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> pretty much all I women. need to know. Yeah. yeah. And older women. Mm. Um, you know, and a little Days night- Gone By. Yeah. Oh, right. I know Days Gone By. And I know a little Oh, no. Night- that, not a day goes by. Sorry. That's that. I was just saying like Days Gone By is like a theme, not a song. But there is a song, Not a Day Goes By from uh, Merrily We Roll Along. Ah, uh, okay. So well. I, I tricked you. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I guess I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I do know from A Little Night Music is Sending the Clowns. Of which course. Oh. That Judy like, Dench yeah, video yeah. that's, oh, God. The, yeah, the Judy Dench video, yeah. I So I feel like there's there's snippets of Sondheim out there that are entry points, but none of them have been Sweeney Todd, so I'm kind of on the same page with you. Uh, listeners, where's our entry point to Sweeney Todd? Yeah, what comes after company? It's like the alphabet of Sondheim. Like yeah. C is for company, D yeah. is for, I don't know. A little night music, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the little night music. The little night music, yeah. yeah. Days Gone By by <laughs> Stephen Sondheim from A Little Night Music. That's like the spoof version. That's like the, uh, it's like with the uh, Paula Pell like, uh, documentary now when she was oh. Elaine Stritch, which of course oh. we have to talk about a little bit too. As Genius. Well. Um, so of course, uh, the original cast album documentary of Company was long unavailable and was this, you know, storied, thing of of musical theater geekdom and Mm -hmm. i guess it was the criterion collection or the criterion release of the documentary that kind of made it somewhat available again yeah um i mean i know 
for folks who don't have access to that, that there is a version of this on YouTube that has the commentary by uh, D.A. Pennebaker and Harold Prince and Elaine Stritch, which is still a good watch. And I found to be, I learned so much watching that version as well. Yes. But um, yeah, the original, I mean, there's clips of it on YouTube, but I think seeing the whole thing, which clocks in under an hour, is, it's so well made. It's so good. It just, the way the whole documentary just moves and feels is just so good. It really is. And I was... I was like buzzing yesterday when I watched it. I texted you because I, I had not watched it all in together. I had not been able to find it anywhere. So the fact that it was finally in front of me and I, you know, there was no, you know, ads or anything, just like mm-hmm. sitting down and watching 50 minutes of it. And it's like all, all of my faith, all the hits, you know what I mean? Every yeah. song is great, but like, I'm so glad that they chose the songs that they did. And not for nothing. I mean, we'll talk about it when we get more into Elaine. But like Elaine makes it. She yeah. She is the 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 tension and the uh, and the in the, the conflict, I guess, in the mm-hmm. in the story. Because yeah. if, if if she wasn't in it, there would be no conflict. It would have just been a very lovely cast recording of everyone just like getting along and things going well. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's interesting how. The recording of being alive like where being alive falls in the show and on the album is kind of like this climactic moment is not the climax of the documentary uh-huh. it's i mean they they do uh barcelona after that i mean it just it's so it's so jarring to be like oh wow you have to like empty the tank on being alive and then like reel it back for barcelona and yeah. you know what i mean like it's um and that it's true i think elaine stritch is really like the she is the narrative tension of the documentary. She is like the climax, you know, the climactic moments of the doc- documentary are her not getting ladies who lunch. And then, you know, just the, the release of the next day of her just like nailing it with her makeup and her hair done. Like it's, yes. Um, it's such a satisfying conclusion. And then that's the end. Like they don't, yeah. that she's the last note of the documentary. It's crazy. Uh I love it a lot. It's like I'm I'm trying to think of how to to enter this here. How do we how do we start this conversation? Well, I mean, the ultimately Elaine is definitely the she I think she's the BSA of company. I think that she's the BSA of the documentary. Uh but I would I would love to maybe start with chatting about a few assistants to the BSA. Mm. Um First and foremost, I feel like I, I'll be too distracted if I don't talk about Stephen Sondheim first. <laughs> Please. I mean, you know, <laughs> it just, I'm the, I, I needed to be put in the freezer to be reconstituted again <laughs> after when he was working with Pamela Myers to get Bobby Booby. And when she finally get when she gets it and he just nods, and goes, mm, yeah, you got it. And I was like, oh. <sighs> That's all the validation I've ever wanted with Stephen yes. Sondheim in that moment. Oh, like he is, you know, what's strange about him. What's interesting about him both is that I don't know if I would look at him and say, oh, like right off the bat, like, oh man, look at that hottie. Oh my God. Stephen Sondheim. He is just, you know, a fucking model, but there is something so sexy about him and so alluring about him. And I think it's, it is all further proof that it is not just in the looks, but it's how you carry yourself that really, I think, you know, determines whether someone is attractive. 
And yeah. he's a great example of that. Yeah, it's like this quiet confidence, but it's also, like you said, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, like seductive without even trying to be. It's like, yeah, um, and, and it's all for me, it's all his voice. It is his deep, like rich baritone, but really monotone voice. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't go above like a four ever. But it's mm-hmm. like, but if he goes to a five, look out. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. feel like if he even raised his voice, I'm sure, obviously, he's probably yelled in his life or yelled in a room before full of actors. But, um, oh, God, like, if I was singing any of those songs and I saw him, like, with a cigarette and just, like, putting his hand in his oh. face, I would I would just crumble. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would be I, over. Yeah, yeah, with the Bobby Baby, Bobby Bobby. And you could just tell he was like, oh. She right. fucked it up again. And it's crazy, but of course it's it's not so crazy that he can tell right away. Because I'm assuming he was mad about the lyric. I thought, because those harmonies are crazy there. Mm-hmm. That Bobby, baby, Bobby, Bobby. Um, it's like, none of them make sense. I've tried to like learn them on my own just because that's what I do on the weekends. And yeah. uh, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I would miss all those, you know, harmonies by a mile. I, as, yeah. as not being a musical person, I feel like, I appreciate that you can hear those because I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it, it sounds hard, but I wouldn't know how impossible it is. Yeah, um, really tighten it and don't make sense, but do make sense all at the same time. Yeah, and I, it's impressive the way that, I mean, obviously he is the architect of this in so many ways that he can hear those tiny nuances and when they're on and when they're off and like how how much of a difference it makes. And I think that his perfectionism and his like dedication to like, you know, what I put on the page is what I want it to be. And it means something is really admirable and really fascinating that like every single note is planned. Yeah. It makes me want to like compose something, even though I've never done any composing. Like I know how to read music, but I'm like, Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I was like right there with him. I just wanted to stand next to him with a cigarette and like a coffee and be like, you heard what Steve said, right? You know, (laughs) I know. I mean, Tousling oh. his hair with my finger. You heard me I saying, know. Right? Gosh. Yeah. Like, Steve, let's let's go back to the booth. Come on. Yeah. Um I, I I mean, I wanna start I'm gonna jump right in here. I wanna start yeah. with Beth Howland and not getting married today too, because one of the things that Steven Steven. Um mm. you know, if you're really close with Steven, you call him Steve. That's what totally. said, yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you watch that Sondheim eightieth celebration? No, all I saw was the the Merrill, Christine Bransky, and Audra McDonald ladies who lunch. Okay, so here's my thing. I I couldn't watch it because I felt like I would be cringing the whole time. Was it cringy, Colin? I mean, that part was, and this may be an unpopular opinion because I know the gays. <laughs> I know. And I get it. I get I it, can't. gays and folks, because it's like, sure, it's Audra, Christine, and Meryl, first name basis, in robes, performing, drinking. Oh, it's everything I've ever wanted, but not right. that song. But th- Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, they all had to agree on a way to do this song. They were each doing a different interpretation, and I, I just, it was not, I, I, wish, I, I wish I lost my wig. But I didn't. Um, yeah. But I hear you. The the I didn't really watch the rest of it. But I think subconsciously it was that like ugh that that familial theater folk thing of like oh Steve oh I love working with Steve I, I just yeah. just not yeah. for me yeah. I I didn't watch any of it I never like I I didn't do the research of where to find it but it's 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 like I'm painting such a bad and like myself in such a bad light for Sondheim like enthusiasm but I love Sondheim. 
<clears throat> but I, I don't know what I would have wanted that platform to look like. Would it have been like sort of like a Kennedy Center Honors sort of situation where they all mm. come out? Like maybe that would have been cooler. But I, I, I still to this day have not watched The Ladies Who Lunch because I saw the screen grab of it and I was like, oh, I can't, I can't do it. And it's not because I'm a snob. I think that they probably sound great. And it's, I know the gays and the gals went crazy for it, but I, I can't bring myself to do it. And I think out of all of them, Christine Baranski is the most like stretchy out of mm-hmm. all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't that's imagine a good Audra point. doing that, but uh, fine. She could, well, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, like, you're right. I think Christine Baranski was like the best fit. Meryl, it was so like, oh, look at Meryl. Here she goes. You know, like, yeah. sometimes there's always that thing of like, uh, let's just see what Meryl's going to do with this. And you kind of just give her a pass because it's Meryl. And then yes. Audra McDonald, I was like, yeah, I just, th- I, this is just not, this is weird casting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but great. I'm glad it exists. I will watch it and uh, maybe I will eat crow next week. Well, I'll, I'll try to watch it before next week and see what okay. happens. It's like three minutes long. So I feel Ugh, like I'm already cringing. Like- I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> Normally I'd be like the first one to be watching that. Yeah. Well, um, you know. Uh, anyway, back to not getting married today. Yeah. As we've discussed, it's 2020. This is not the year to watch content you're not interested in. That's right. That's yeah. right. But yes, uh, not getting married today. Uh, Beth Howland, who I was familiar with from the TV show Alice, which was... Uh, Ooh, with yeah. Celia Weston. With Celia Weston. Ugh. That's right. With Celia Weston um, and Linda Lavin. And it's uh, a great show. Oh, it's a great show. But... Um, I always knew her as Vera and, and finding out that she was in a musical, I was like, Oh, I was like, this is, this is not who I would expect. This would be like, like she reminds me of in Troop Beverly Hills, uh, Mary Gross. Yes, she mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. She definitely has Mary Gross energy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Big Mary Gross energy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which sounds gross, but it's not. It's a compliment. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. I mean, I... I'm always amazed by like the like there's that compilation or probably more than one <clears throat> on YouTube of like who did, you know, not getting married to get today the best. Yeah. Um, and I'm always just amazed that anyone does it at all. You know? Oh, yeah. Because it's not just a matter of getting through it. It's it's a matter of getting through it while also being nervous and performing in front of people and thinking that you're not going to be able to get through it. it. There's so much like packed into it. And of course, that's why Stephen Sondheim wrote it that way, because she's like a basket case. She, she, but I think it's also the adrenaline of singing that song that could probably get you through it even fast. I would want to go as fast as I can um, yeah, within yeah. reason, but I, I've never learned this. I've, I've come, I've tried before. Um, Maybe I'll, that'll be my weekend project, the the patter. And Stephen Sondheim yeah. is known for a patter song. Um, he does it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one of the songs initially that like jumped out to me. It's like this song and um, Another Hundred People. And mm-hmm. of course, being a lot, we'll get to Another Hundred People. But um, I think I would have just like, speaking of like these Stephen Sondheim moments of him like walking up, he's like, no, you're doing really great. But I'd love to have the tune. And I'd be mm-hmm. like, so what I was doing was not the tune. Right. Oh, gosh. So and scrap then he, everything. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's just like, and just like those, like, I, I'm so obviously by now they've been rehearsing enough and they've been doing the show on Broadway for a week. So they're open. 
but like so much of that is probably like just muscle memory for her so to change that at the last second that that's hard but yeah. i'm sure she's she seems like a smart cookie she also seems v- like a wreck at the same time too but maybe she's yeah. just acting i'm acting I'm acting. Well, that's, I mean, uh, that was what was kind of fascinating in general about this documentary was yes. how often they were acting. Oh, I loved at, it. I mean, Elaine being kind of the quintessential example of like using like the acting to inform the singing, you know? Um, oh, like, gosh. Doing things no one's going to see, but like, I guess it helps her performance. She's um, like, phone rings, door chimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite part. And the guy next to her. Holding on to her, holding a cigarette. Like, oh, there's obsessed. S- oh, my God. Who is that man? I need to, I know he probably plays someone in the show, and I just didn't look him up. But there's something about it. They just seem like a bunch of theater kids. Like, here we are in the studio. La, 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 la. Yeah, it's smoking so in the studio. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Um, yeah, I'm assuming he's playing Joanne's husband. And I, only I guess bothered, that's true. I only bother to learn the women's names other than that's Bobby. That's true. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, <sighs> I... Uh, I I love not getting married today. I feel like that is when we, when I think about songs on the album and if I think of ladies who lunch as the BSA of the album, I think of not getting married today as the assistant to the BSA. On the Ooh. Album. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mine is probably another hundred people, but I, I love the choice. Mm-hmm. I love that journey for you. I, I oh, think sure. That- <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I also am really obsessed with, I mean, my, my dark horse would be, um oh what's it called it's from act two when all three women when it, when it's uh the three women talking worried about bobby oh um poor baby poor baby poor baby yes. i uh yeah i love not getting married today but i also could see a world where poor baby is my assistant to bsa interesting it's i think the way that it layers in like i'd love to see like four or five drag queens performing poor baby oh yes just like a slinky little number and Mm -hmm. like i feel like they could bring like a straight guy from the audience up on stage and Mm -hmm. like put him in a chair and just like walk around and sing to him that's what i would want yeah and i need them all in versions of of night nightgowns and yes bed clothes yeah um but yeah so another hundred people which i mean so that was i always thought because i just i I recognize names, but I didn't put names to faces. So I recognize the name Donna McKechnie, and I thought that was who sang that. But she, it's Pamela Myers, who I'm not familiar with. Um, yes. And uh, she, this song, I mean, especially in the documentary, but like in general, whenever it starts, like that little like piano mm. harpsichord opening. It's so good. It's so good. It's so. I feel like we had a similar feeling about um, Quiet Uptown in Hamilton. Yeah. Is there's opening notes from like, oh, yes. I'm in. This is my yes. entry point. You know? Yeah. It just feels like a subway train. You could. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like if that's. If, if someone said, like, write how it feels to be riding a city. Riding a city. <laughs> riding a subway <laughs> in the city. It just feels like busyness. It feels yeah. like the whir- the whirlwind of like this huge like metropolis and you're just like kind of in the middle of it too. I and, and in the documentary or not the documentary, the the commentary, I think it was Hal Prince that says like there's never been anybody to sing this song so well. And and I agree. Mm. I it's a tough song. The way the place that it sits in the female voice is incredibly difficult and she mm-hmm. does it so well. Like her register shifts from like 
she like belts it, but she's also mixing it. I just like the my favorite voices are like the most balanced voices. It's like you mm-hmm. don't hear that break. Um, I love her, and I, I this really took this song to a next to like the next level for me. And I found out I don't know why this is. I'm, I'm just of course making myself look even more unresearched, I guess. But um, I I researched all the Tony nominations for this. Mm-hmm. Um, so Pamela Myers got a nomina- a nomination for this for Best Featured Actress. Um, un- unfortunately, too, we were talking about Beth Howland and not getting married today. She did not get a nomination, which is so surprising to me. Yeah. And I know she only has that one song. But um, what was it? Susan Browning, who played April, who sings Barcelona, got nominated for Lead Actress along, oh. with, along with Elaine Stritch. It's very bizarre. And wow. the, the other person who got nominated for... Um, Featured actress, I think, was uh, Barbara Barry. Oh, is that crazy? For that Pantera? can't be blocked. Yeah, I, I know. Mean, was it for those sunglasses? <laughs> I mean, best supporting sunglasses. Yeah, best supporting sunglasses. BSSG. Yeah, um, that sun can be blocked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was really Thank good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was just like. I wonder, I'm, I'm sure, like, if I really wanted to go into it, like, is this the most nominations for women for any show, like, ever? Because I think it was, uh, it's four, five, four. Yeah. Two for Elaine and Susan, in leading actress, and then two for um, Pamela and Barbara in um, featured actress. And we'll talk about him too but um the the man who replaced oh i can't remember something kurt yeah because the the original guy was dean jones yeah he was the only one who was ever nominated larry kurt Mm -hmm. is the only cast replacement to ever be nominated for a tony award he replaced dean jones because dean jones was only in it for a month that's crazy yeah. The way that the commentary sets it up is like he was only in it for like opening night and then split. But I looked on IBDB. Mm. Um, the day I found that existed was a great day for me. Yeah. Um, anyway, I I just kind of went all over the place there with Tony nominations too. But um, back to uh, another hundred people. We're just another to finish that up. Sure. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, yeah, I don't. I feel like uh, that is worth looking up. Is which show? has the most uh, lady nominations mm-hmm. uh, in one year. And, <clears throat> I mean, I would imagine companies at least, you know. Yeah, top five, top three. Yeah. I can't think of any other. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Follies was full of ladies. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, another hundred people. I feel like this is that is another song that also feels um, surprisingly modern in terms of, like, the subject matter. Like, yes. I think, like, the, <clears throat> I mean, especially from, like, a New York point of view, uh, the flakiness of like, you know, uh, should I meet you there? Do you want to just find out? Do you want to call me? Maybe we'll try something later. Like it, that whole, I know that dance. Like I have done that yeah. so many times over. And I, I remember that was one of the things that jumped out at me. The first time I heard that song was like, oh yeah, we still do this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like, and I think the layering in like the idea of like being flaky in New York and yet there just being so many people in New York and that like just the the population in New York is flaky in a way. People come and people go and like you can that that sense of like stability, that sense of community, that sense of connection kind of gets dissipated and diluted in New York because there's just so many people. And yeah. I thought, oh, that's um, 
That's very clever, Stephen. That's very smart. It is. <laughs> I know, right? Not surprisingly. Um, I, yeah, it's true. I, I have a friend who will remain anonymous. I'm sure that they don't listen to this podcast. But every time I bump into them, I always bump into them at the grocery store in Pittsburgh. And I've seen them like two or three times within the last like eight months. But like, I never have anything to say. And it's all mm. she always says, you should come over. You should come over to the house. I'm like, I don't. Let's not yeah. do this. Let's not. Yeah. I'm like, let's just like say hello. Say it's nice to see you. And just like she's a lovely person, lovely gal. We just don't have anything in common anymore. We've grown apart significantly. And it's just like, oh, man, I don't want to do any of this. Um, I guess that might be a different song altogether, too. But those conversations, that's always the first thing that comes up. We should get together. We should get a coffee, uh, coffee mm-hmm. sometime. And like, oh, are you going to this party? Oh, maybe I'll see you there. I'm like, I don't want to see anyone. <laughs> right, right. I don't even want to go to this party. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. It's like that. It it's easier to kind of like if you run into someone like that to leave it on that open note of like, oh yeah, no, totally. We should get together sometime versus Mm -hmm. like just the honest answer of like, this is probably the extent of what our connection is. And if I come over, uh, it's like, what are we going to talk about? You know, uh, why, why are we going to put ourselves through that? And for what? Yeah. Yeah. And this is another song where Steven comes over and says like, it's so, this is like even more sexy when he says like, so I've been listening to you sing and I think for a while now you've been tricking me into changing the melody. Like the way mm. he says that, I was like, ooh, he didn't even notice. And But then he eventually caught it. Like she was singing an A when it should have been an F sharp, you know, oh, something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. just like a pickup note or something. And then she changes it. And I just love that a lot. Yeah. I mean, that was one of those things where like being not a, a music person, I was like, oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't know an F sharp from an A minor from a, you know, sure. Yeah. You know, from a B major, if that's a thing. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's um, like, but again, I, I agree with you. I feel like he never comes over. And, it doesn't seem like he comes over and yells at anybody. It's just this like quiet intensity. Yeah. Quiet intensity is yeah. great. And then uh, like an approving smile that just is like, OK, I'll do yeah. whatever you want. Here's the house keys. Whatever you I want. Know. Just take it. <laughs> I love in this song specifically, there's a couple things. First of all, Pamela Myers looks exactly like Lena Dunham. Like if Lena Dunham was in... Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. It's like if Lena Dunham was a musical theater gal. Maybe she is. Who knows? Um, But I love in this song specifically, there's a lot of stuff with like the orchestration that they choose to like hone in on with all the trumpets and the flutes. And one Mm -hmm. of my favorite things, it's like something that I've never heard before that I was just like, God damn it, Stephen Sondheim, where I think it was the trumpets where they're because you can hear them sort of isolated. And I love that Mm -hmm. like the documentary guy was like, we didn't really know what we were doing. We were just walking around and getting as close as we could to them. Yeah. Like they didn't have any sort of like boom. Maybe they had a boom mic. I don't know. But um, when during another hundred people, the trumpets are playing this like counter melody. That's it's like the beginning of it. That's like woven into this song. And I love that because that's part of the, like the whole annoyance of like all his friends calling and everything like that. I just, I was like, <laughs> I just had to like sit and stare at the wall for a second. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. I noticed that. I mean, and that's that's interesting that 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 note was actually like acting as the proxy for all the friends. Who yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. While you're um, trying to just like go through your life in the city, I love that. I love that yeah. a lot. 
Uh, yeah, that song, like, every time I listen to it, like, it grows on me more and more. Like, I, I mean, I, I've always liked it, but I think, you know, there's just so many, you know, it, it's kind of like between that song and, like, You Could Drive a Person Crazy. Like, those are two songs that I liked the first time I heard them. And then the more I listened, I was like, oh, this is really good. Yeah. This is really smart. And I think yes. that's, it's that thing with Company or with Steve, Steven Sondheim where all of a sudden one of those brilliant lyrics jumps out. And you're like, that's my life story. Yes. Yes. yes yeah. Um, like, and you can drive a person <laughs> crazy. Like when she sings the one line about like uh, the type of guy who likes to pull the, the hook out of a fish, like mm-hmm. that image, I was like, Oh my God, that's so dark and so real. Yes. Um, now that singer, now I, I don't know why I know the name Donna McKechnie, but that just seems to be the one I knew, you know, other than like Barbara Barry and Elaine Stritch. I, I am very definitively gay. I think anyone would would attest to that listening to this <laughs> podcast. But wow, if I wasn't gay, a young Donna McKechnie is like my type. I was like, she is, <laughs> she's gorgeous. beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I like, I just was obsessed with. She has this like, if you can't get Mary Tyler Moore, get Donna McKechnie quality. Like, she's just stunning, and she really is. Yes. Ugh. And during you could drive a person crazy. Like she has like a some part where maybe she messes up and she starts laughing. Yes. And I just oh, I was just like so charmed by her and um. Yeah, I just uh, I have I'm feeling a lot of feelings about Donna McKechnie. Put that on a tote bag. It's a great. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I I have strangely enough, there is this girl on TikTok. Um, of course, it's all about TikTok these days for me. Yeah, that I I stumbled upon, and I'll, I'll have to like send you her name because it's like something crazy, and she's like a funny gal, and she is so beautiful and i have it's like the same thing that you were just describing i was like Mm -hmm. i am attracted to you i'm not like sexually attracted to you Mm -hmm. but like if i was straight you would be mine or i would would just be i would be very interested and i wonder what that is that's so interesting that sometimes and it's not every woman but every once in a while you come across someone that like it just is like you it like turns your head and you're like oh wow and it's just like it's probably just because they're so beautiful and sometimes it's, it could just be personality plus like whatever it happens to be too, that you're just mm-hmm. attracted to. But, um, Donna McKechnie, just to kind of fill you in, she won a Tony award for a chorus line. She played right. Cassie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, uh, it's like the ultimate sort of like dancer role, um, mm-hmm. slash singer role as well too. And she's actually the one in you drive a person crazy that has to sing the highest, that a, that high a, that do 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 do. It's like, like, which is like impossible. Like that is so hard to do. And she does it so well. Yeah. I think at one point in the, in the booth, uh, Steven says something about like, Oh, those, those doodoots are really high. And like, Mm -hmm. I just, I love like out of context, that sentence makes no sense. But like when you're in that situation, like you do talk about things that way. Like, yes. Like, yeah. Oh, those doodoots. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I, I also, you know, I, I really appreciated that moment with Susan Browning when she was talking about the challenges of like doing the song and like getting it right. And I, I know we're all still waiting with bated breath for your lady lip syncs, but if I could add to the list, I would love to see you do a lip sync of that little speech that she does that ends with that joke of like, it could drive a person crazy. Crazy. (laughs) It's, it gives me uh, so much like Alexis Mateo. Like it's crazy, right? It's just like this whole thing. She's like, it's just so crazy that we're here. <laughs> like the way that she said, but yeah, I loved that. I love that yeah. little like side. 
Uh, because I feel that it would be easier to record than to be than to do it on stage. Because I'm assuming mm. there are um, Michael Bennett choreographed like the scenes and staged the scenes and stuff. He, who also did a chorus line, um, but he directed it. Directed? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say that. <laughs> I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he directed it. Um, and but I'm because I'm assuming they were moving during this. I feel like anytime mm-hmm. I'm moving, I'm and singing, it's always gonna be difficult <laughs> for me specifically. But uh, yeah. But I loved that. I love that. I love that we got that. Oh, it was so. And I, I feel like that's such a thing that any of us who've been, you know, in a show uh, yes. or anything or have involved in something have done where, like, you just make those, like, casual, stupid references, you know, like saying, oh, you can drive a person crazy. Like, it's so. It's such a thing that you do when you've worked on a show for a while is, like, you make inside jokes of course, while you're working on it. Yes. Yeah. And you're like, ha ha. It's like kind of yeah. like a waka waka moment, but it's, it's, it's yes. cute. Yeah, it's like a total walk Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I uh so yes, please add that speech to the list of lady lip syncs that I'd like to see you okay. do on TikTok whenever Put that happens. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it would be great. Um <laughs> so all right, so we've talked about Donna McKechnie, we've talked about Pamela Myers, we've we've given some love to Susan Browning, we've talked yes. about Beth Howland. I I mean, we've talked about Steven. Uh, yes. Oh, Stephen. I mean, I, let's just special mention to Harold Prince saying, oh, it's raining. I just. <laughs> oh, thunder. Thunder, yeah. <laughs> I just, it is. Yeah, I mean, that is just great. But let's talk about Elaine Stritch. Mm. Ugh. I want to be all, her for Halloween. I, I was this... just going to say that. Oh, you weren't. Oh, yes. God. The Halloween costume of Elaine Stritch. Why recording. hasn't anyone done this? It's such an easy one, too. Like, just buy a dump hat and an oversized dress shirt. Like, is that what they're called? Like, a dump hat? I don't a know. A bucket hat. A bucket <laughs> A dump hat. That's what I wrote. I, as I was typing dump hat, I was like, this probably isn't right. But maybe that's our first piece of merch. <laughs> Dump hat. Yeah. Um, for some reason, that reminds me of this is such a deep cut, but you mentioned Alexis Mateo, and so now I'm on that path. Yes, but please. At some point on Twitter, I think that she had, she was tweeting, I feel like it's Miss Cracker related, but like before All Stars 5, where she called her, and I think this was because of a typo, but she called her a dump bitch. And oh, I <laughs> dump. Yeah, those words yeah. together are perfect. Yeah, you dump bitch. <laughs> you dump bitch. Bitch. But like instead of dumb, dump, and I so I think, uh, in the vein of that, I will accept a dump hat. <laughs> okay, look, I just typed in dump hat on Google, and the first thing that came up was this. Well, I don't know if you could see it, but it's like this white Elaine Stritch hat. It's all white, so you can't see. It. But no, I saw it. Yeah, I think I'm on to something here. You this, might be. Maybe it's, it's a regional almost the term. same exact thing. I don't it, know. Maybe yeah. it is some sort of like Pittsburgh thing. But uh, anyway. Yeah, but that's true. I was thinking the same thing that, like, this is the Halloween costume. You don't even need to have the wig, but you could. But oh, I think the wig would be great, yeah. I mean, I think that's the that's the chef, chef's kiss touch because you've got to be able to push the hair up the more stressed you get throughout the night. Yeah, um, and when trick-or-treaters come up, I just go, ah! <laughs> I just, like, scream. I mean, honestly... <laughs> If Halloween's canceled this year, which it probably will be, I, mm-hmm. I need to dress up as Elaine Stritch. And Absolutely. no one will get it, but I will. Yeah, just with a cig- cigarette in your hand, pushing up your hair, stinger. going, yeah. yeah, wrong! <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! Ugh. Ugh, my, my entrance line for this episode was almost going to be, I can take this all down. Like, oh, just- yes! <laughs> 
just trying it's to prove a, every point. At that point, it's just like a drunken sort of like, Elaine, just just stop here. And Steven yeah. does give her a sort of like knowing smile. But mm-hmm. it's that sort of like drunk girl at the bar. I mean, she said mm-hmm. she was drunk because she was nervous. She said like it's it wasn't necessarily like, I mean... I wouldn't necessarily put it past her that Elaine Strisser's had a couple drinks in her days, but she also seems like a consummate, like sort of like professional. I'm, I'm obviously I've heard the stories that she's very difficult to deal with. Mm. I remember reading something about like her being on the set of Thirty Rock or something, and how much like she like you get what you get with Elaine Stritch, but like you also had there's like a price of admission, I guess, as yeah. well too. It's like. Um, which, like, all the great diva. I, I love that and I hate that at the same time, too. Because, oh, I just wish you were, like, Tom Hanks level nice and also mm-hmm. could give this performance. But it also... I don't think that she's necessarily... I think I've sort of concocted that own... My, like, that's sort of, like, my own opinion of what I feel. And from what the little I've read. So I'm sure she's a lovely gal. And I would love to have a drink with her. And she seems... She's so charming in this. She's adorable. Yeah. Well, I like that part. She right calls before... herself adorable too. It's great. Right. Oh yeah. Um, when oh yeah, when she started like seeing seeing herself, I I I looked adorable. Yes. But that part where she's joking around, I think with Hal Prince, uh, Harold Prince, Hal Prince. I feel like I've used both. both. Yeah. Both. It's both. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I'm you know I don't want to be too too. No, I I actually Harold. thought that too. Yeah. Who just mm-hmm. passed away this last year? I think. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but before they start Ladies Who Lunch, like she's like joking around with him on stage and about the curtain. Like I don't know what yes. bit they're doing, but she's doing a bit. It's, um, you know, she. I feel like in the vein of what you were talking about with with her energy and her personality, it makes me think about the commentary when she was talking about Dean Jones and how he just was not. This was not his scene, and he was out of his element being in this room full of these like volatile, yes, emotional, that word. Yeah. like intense theater people. And I think that's what I find and the commentary is really like so key because I think at least at, you know, 30 years later, Elaine Stritch's self-awareness about like when she's talking about how frustrated she's getting and she's like, you know, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, and I'm nervous and that's why I'm, I'm getting really loud and I'm feeling like I can't get my point across. And, I think that really undermines the kind of dragon lady persona where you realize she's just kind of stuck behind her own self, you know, and, and she just wants to do a good job. And I think that's, that's different from a diva who just wants things her way, you know? Yes. But it's hard to differentiate between the two. Like, I'm so glad that I got that explanation because Mm -hmm. I don't think she was necessarily being difficult with any of this. I mean, she was, she was being extra towards the end of it, but it wasn't like she was being like, well, it's the microphone, you know, the microphone's too high or whatever it happens to like, it was just, she was, it's, it stinks that that's how it manifests as opposed to, because like, I can only imagine what it'd be like to be in a recording studio and like having, you know, a full Mm -hmm. orchestra and like, this is, I have to get this right. It has to be good. And this is my song. And this is like the song. Um, so, but yeah, she said like, and that's how, that's why it sounds like, I feel like, what does she say? That's how it sounds. I can't put my words together. That's why I sound like I know more than everyone else. I think that's what she said. Something Mm. like that. Um, but it's, it should be said, but it's not, she's like, I'm not trying to like undermine people. That's just, that's just how I, that's just how I get. Yeah. Uh, It's when you think of all the factors, right? Like it's late. They've been recording all day. Yeah. She's like intentionally, she said she had 
wanted to go last because she wanted everyone else to leave. And she didn't want the rest of the cast to be judging her, to be waiting for her to finish. And so she's been kind of sitting, you know, uh, choosing a hat, so to speak, like all day. You know, like she's uh, she's been wait, choosing, choosing a dump hat, if you will, all day, like <laughs> waiting for this to happen. And so there's all this buildup knowing that, like, after all of this, I still have to nail ladies who lunch and like the anxiety that she brings to it just in like, I don't want the rest of the cast there watching me. And so like, she's already anxious about I, it and already mm. putting pressure on, you know? Cause to me, it seems like the Elaine stretch that I have in my head would be, would want to go like, you know, sort of maybe halfway in the middle and really give a moment. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. have the crowd there, like look at me, watch me sing this song and like make history. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of love that it's the opposite. I kind of love that there's this humanity about her and there's this sort of, she's scared. She's, she, I think she said yeah. she's like scared anytime she sings, um, mm-hmm. which I mean, singing is vulnerable. It's super vulnerable. And especially like and when you're recording and every note counts and um, I love a woman who is, I just think it's like such a great character, like structure of like a, a hardened woman. It, it reminds me of like Laurie Metcalf and mm-hmm. Lady Bird. You know what I mean? Like she, she means it's not necessarily, they're not necessarily the same traits, but like, but is ultimately just really sensitive and has like yeah. a very soft, like interior, but a hard exterior too. I think that's like a really interesting dynamic to, uh, to explore and to witness. It's so cool to watch. I would love to see, like, obviously, Paul Appel did an amazing takeoff of Ugh. this in co-op. But I would love to see, like, a recreation of this with Melissa Leo playing Elaine Stritch. Oh, Colin. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, <laughs> That just made, that's my BSA of the week right there. The possibility <laughs> that that might happen in some alternate universe. Oh, oh, even just get her in that costume. You get her in that. Dump please, <laughs> please. Oh God. I'm going to like mail it to her. Yeah, that is because I, I was thinking about that. And if I should have maybe like, like dream casting, who could fill these shoes? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and obviously you go to like Hollywood people first and like the movie adaptation of company, you right. know, starring like Zac Efron as Bobby. <laughs> Exactly. Right. (laughs) I know. I feel like whenever I think about like, yeah, modern versions of something like this, I always think of like casting that I'm not excited by. But yes, uh, Melissa Leo, I mean, yes, very excited by. Oh, I'm sure there's like there are probably like five other ladies that we just can't think of right now that I'm going to I'm going to shoot out of bed at like two in the morning and be like, "Ah." Mm -hmm. Um, I know. Alternate Joannes. We'll do another episode of of alternate Joannes. Yes. I love that. Um, There was something about, like, I think in general, too, I just wanted, uh, we've already kind of uh, delved into it a little bit, too, but just like her her ensemble work, her ensemble work uh, for the little things you do together. I mean, she's actually featured more in that song, more so than singing, like, the opening number, too. So, but, like, let's just talk about the little things you do together, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things I love the most about watching Elaine Stritch sing is the way that she'll like smile or wink. Like I Ugh. think during company she does a couple winks, but I think like little things you do together, you can. There's those parts you can see her warming up to do one of those little capper lines of like um, I've done it three or four times. Like you can see like the smile at the edge of her lips. Like she's so in the moment. It's it's oh it's 
fascinating. Yeah, and this is where she says in the commentary, I looked adorable singing that song. I just mm-hmm. love the uh, <clears throat> unabashed, just like, I looked so cute. And she does. Like, she says, look, I didn't know. It's like, I knew we were being taped, but I didn't get all glammed up for this. It was Sunday. And she comes in with no makeup and like that, <laughs> the dump hat. <laughs> and But she looks fabulous. It's, it's, it's so perfect. I wouldn't change anything about no. how she looks. And I love that she's in the the center of this like circle of men around her and she's just mm-hmm. like conducting she's and conducting. doing like these these like the okay fingers you know she's like yep. she just like puts them out like that oh god oh. it is it's, transcendent I mean, and i think they they mention this in the commentary but it's just so iconic elaine stritch to be conducting from the from the chorus you know? yes oh yeah Uh, And it's not enough to be distracting, but it's enough to make people notice her, which I think is like a very interesting, like it's a very fine line, but I love that she toes that line. Oh, yeah. And I feel like they also talked about this in the commentary of how like Elaine Stritch was kind of the, had the ear for the humor and for the tone that Stephen Sondheim was going for. And I, I get what they're talking about. There is this certain, there's this thing, especially about the original cast recording, there's this you know, like little things you do together and like um, side by side and like, you know, all like certain songs that sound really sort of fun and kooky, but are actually kind of dark and satirical, you know? And yes. there's those layers of we're sounding celebratory, but we're actually mocking all of this in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think that like Elaine Stritch seemed to be like most honed at finding that note and then like saying, okay, follow me, you know, I'm conducting here. Oh Yeah. Yes, and I just yes. I and I I loved like the recognition of that and like how I mean essentially like I don't know who was saying it that you know this role was basically written for her it was mm-hmm. kind of like when they did you know when they wrote the pilot of the Golden Girls that the character description of Dorothy was a B Arthur type and someone was like why don't we just get B Arthur yeah and I and I've always felt like Joanne like Elaine Stritch's version of Joanne is so perfect and so. I think they even use the word definitive, but it's just so like the notes that she hits, you're like, yeah, this is the right way to do it. And then anyone else is going to be doing a different version, but Mm -hmm. not like the definitive version. And I, I felt very validated to hear them all saying the same thing. Yeah. And I, I think the, was it Hal Prince in the commentary that was saying that these, these people are like, he likes to do typecasting. He likes, and in the sense that like, these people are, are all New Yorkers, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. They're all living these lives. They're all living like outside of like doing theater. They're trying to maintain relationships and friendships and just like keep their head above water and like figure out, you know, can you have it all? Um, mm-hmm. And I think they started talking about that when, um, during another hundred people, I think they were having that conversation too, but it just, it elevates it. And like Elaine is probably the the best example of that in this. It's like, she's already, she already is Joanne, like, or at least has like 98% yeah. of like the, uh, what's the word, the vibe, the, um, the characteristics. I don't know where I'm going with that, but I think um, both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think she has like the, the aura of Joanne, you know, just like it, you look at her and it's like, yeah, of course, that's that's who you would cast. In the same way, it's like, yeah, you would cast Melissa Leo as Elaine Stritch. Yes. Company. Yeah. And, and, and consequently, too, it's like, it is, I admire, I admire Patty and I admire, oh, Barbara Walsh, who was in yeah. the revival. I think they great. do great yeah. jobs. But like, it's, it's, I think really out of like, because sometimes I think of like, gosh, how is, 
you know, that young girl gonna play Anita in the West Side Story movie. Like, it's mm-hmm. like those iconic and like, but like, this is one of the top five performances in musical theater that is, is like, it's just, no one can touch this. And mm-hmm. like, few have really tried, like, who have, it's like many have tried, most have failed to do this. And even right. Patty, too, like, there is, I've seen clips of her doing it. She's doing, I, I see what she's doing, I like it. But I think it's also the rasp. You have to have the rasp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I got to be honest. Like, obviously, I was kind of bummed to not see, you know, the Broadway revival. And of course. Not, but I, and I've seen clips of Patty as well. Like, I wasn't as excited about, I wasn't like, oh, can't wait to Same. see Patty as yeah. Joanne. The, the versions of it that I'd seen, I was like, oh, this is, there's, there's a broadness to this that, works because it's patty lapone but it misses all of those nuances that elaine stritch brings i mean when you watch her performing in in this documentary and like that first like four and a half minute like single take of her performing obviously they're you know it, it's not considered the best version but like there is i mean i can't tell whether it's elaine stritch or whether it's joanne or whether it's a mix of the two but there is this yeah. intensity in her eyes there is like there's just there's so much going on underneath the surface that feels it's kind of like talking about Stephen Sondheim and you know he always kind of stays at a four but you're like oh man I know it's in there like I know he could go to a seven or a 27 if he needed to and I think Joanne and Ladies Who Lunch is kind of a great example of that is she's she's got all of these feelings and commentary and like you know even like nihilism kind of underneath the surface of like you know, talking about buying, choosing a hat and, you know, like, all, like you know, the Pinter play and whatnot and one for Mahler. Like, it's all, it's all kind of casual, but by the end, it just explodes. And I yeah. think those levels and those peaks and those valleys, I just think Patty just kind of climbs into a helicopter and flies to the top of the mountain, you know? And yeah. Elaine kind of climbs up, you know? Yeah, I can't remember what part of the song I was listening to Patty singing it. And she's sing. It's almost like I hate giving this note. I hate receiving this note is like mm. sing less, like you're singing too much. Where, like, because yeah. uh, Patty has a great voice. She's always had a great voice. She's always going to be great. Um, I think really what, what, why Elaine, just to kind of build on what you were saying too, is like Joanne is. I, I, I'm I'm trying to remember like the scene portion of this song. Like maybe it's before or after the song when uh, Joanne's husband, who I can't remember the name of, of course, like says like because he's kind of a pushover. He's kind mm-hmm. of like the sort of passive husband to the very like loud and overtly like obnoxious, outspoken wife. But like he knows who she is. Like he knows that Joanne's kind of putting on a performance and kind mm-hmm. of giving that. But like he knows deep down that she is a very sensitive woman. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of describing what we just said about Elaine Stritch too. So like it, it's like that's the entry point there. It's like if you don't know how to bring, it can't be all broad. It can't be like, Look, it, it can't be like the idea of Patti LuPone singing Ladies Who Lunch is just like, it seems like camp to me. You know what I mean? I don't know yeah. how else to describe it. It's like, like the whistle tones are going off, but I'm not going to enjoy it. There's not as much nuance to it. I don't know. 
I hear what you're saying. It, yeah. It, does, it feels a little bit like stunt casting versus like yeah. perfect casting. And, you know, as you were talking about, like, and the husband's name is Larry, but I mean, Larry, just yes. it's a man in the show. Yeah. Um, but it, it made me think a little bit about when we were talking about Hello, My Name is Doris and talking about Tyne Daly, who, by the way, would be happy to see as Joanne. Because I'd be oh, happy to yeah, see Tyne Daly. That's another in great one. Yes. Right? <clears throat> um, but I think. Even Caroline Aaron put her in oh. there. Two oh, Joannes. Please, please. Maybe even yeah. more so, yeah. Yeah, Joe and Anne. Yeah, the, the, these two <laughs> ladies who lunch. Yeah, yes. I um, <clears throat> I think that that was one of the things we took away from, like, Tyne Daly's character of Roz was when we thought about, it, like, her husband, Melvin. Like, Roz definitely wore the pants, and she was the yes. stronger energy. But, like, Melvin saw, like, the softly, you know, the, the soft and the sensitive underneath all of that. and. Like, yeah, was privy to that when no one else really was. And I think it's probably the same with Larry and Joanne. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I want to talk about, because this is actually one of my favorite moments, be, besides like the main event here, of course, getting to the ladies who lunch. Her, um, <clears throat> her lines during being alive and mm. also the way that she looks at oh what is it um the gal who's saying oh beth howland she says Mm -hmm. want something want something and then they cut that like they show elaine just like smiling next to her it's like it's enough it's like a warm hug i just love when she smiles but i i know that feeling when you're like creating something and like oh she did a really good job at that and i just Mm -hmm. ugh. That's great. Great line reading. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Elaine's ensemble smiles are uh, are so welcomed. And and again, like I can't tell if she's acting, if she's being Elaine, if it's both. Like it's just. Um, I feel like she can seem. She can come off as like such a barnacle of a woman, and then when she smiles, it just like. she just lights up like it's really such a transformation yeah and one of my favorite lines is like you're not a kid anymore robbie you'll never be a kid again kiddo like the (laughs) way that she gets that she's smiling through it and like has that like smoker's rasp it's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite lines that she says yeah oh i know i love that i and and watching her do it having heard that line so many times in the cast recording i was like yeah no that makes sense that's probably what it looks like in the show every night you know like it's uh, again, like the benefit of this documentary is getting to have some sense of what her performance looked like in the show and what a lot of their performances may have looked like in the show. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, someone had told me, because obviously I, I, I don't think there is any kind of recording, maybe somewhere in like, you know, some theater library somewhere, but a recording of the original production. But um, someone told me that in the original, or in the first, you know, number company that there's like there's this really super long note that they hold like just like ridiculously long note oh yes and apparently it's because there was an elevator on stage and that was people going up and down in an elevator oh possibly so it's like i know the set was yeah interesting because i would have loved to have seen that part in the documentary because Elaine Stritch, you can hear her very clearly on the recording. Mm-hmm. It's like, we love... And then she just goes, la... And she just like sails yeah. out. And, yeah. she d- and then eventually she just drops out. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's my <laughs> It's in the part opening number. We love... <laughs> and everyone's like, love... Right. And then she comes back in for you, you know. She comes back in for you. I know. It's like it's it's so interesting oh, when you hear the ones so who drop great. off, and then there's like you know Pamela Myers who's just like ringing herself out to stay with the note, you know. 
um, so I uh, kind of veering back to ladies who lunch, but I uh, I really enjoyed the dynamic between Stephen Sondheim and Elaine Stritch, and I I think what's interesting about that is like she she's certainly a, uh, a force to be reckoned with, but she always respects him as the writer. And like, I think the way that she's like, you know, he's saying like, Oh, her voice is tired. She's like, you know, no, it's just, you know, I've always had, you know, dumb material before. So I could just like, you know, use power to make it sound better. But now mm-hmm. I've got good material so I can afford to go back a little. Like I, I love that distinction of like, I know I'm fucking up, but I have good material now. And that's, you know, it's like a weird version of a backhanded compliment um, yeah. where she's never fighting with him. She's just trying to like, she's just trying to do a good job again. And I think that's very charming. Yeah. I think she says in the documentary or the, I keep saying documentary, but commentary. Um, she's like, she compared it to like a little kid. Like, I promise I'll never do it again. Mm-hmm. Just like, just give me one more shot or like, I'll eat my supper and like, I'll go to bed and like all this stuff. It's just, it's, um, it's wanting to please. But I think more than that, like you said, it's doing a good job and doing the material justice, which like is the sign of a good act. Like, yeah, I mean, there is nothing I don't want to say there's nothing more annoying than an actor saying it's about the work, but it is about the work. You know what I mean? At the end of the mm-hmm. day, like if you were, if you were an actor worth your salt that you, you want to elevate and do the best that you can and not look like a fool. And at, mm-hmm. at that moment, but here's the strange thing, Colin is like, if I would have not known anything about like what that song should have sounded like, or maybe the fact that she was faltering a little bit because how Prince and her talk about in the commentary that he was watching her and he was like almost in tears because he was like, wow, look mm. at what she's doing. And like, but what they're not showing is the, the control booth where everyone's just like, you know, throwing shit against the wall. Like, what is she right. doing? Ba 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 ba. It's not bad at all. Like, and in fact, I think it's like the first time through she's, she is chewing the scenery like vocally oh yeah at the same time so mm-hmm. i think that's that's ultimately but i love watching it i think that's like the the coolest part too is like even if it's like quote unquote not what the song should be and she's tired and she's a little bit screamy like i'm still enjoying every moment of this and i'm so glad yeah. we get to watch it yeah it's there's a rawness to it that i think is is fascinating and it it reminds me of um season two of the comeback when Mickey and Valerie get a hold of the the dailies of her you know in that one scene where she's on the phone and she she gives this like incredible performance and and Mickey's like wow red after all these years you can really act and uh, (laughs) and Valerie's like oh well that's not good oh no like it was late I was tired like this this is terrible and like it was just like way too raw and too vulnerable for her for other people to see and I think that's kind of how I felt watching this like some of these takes was like oh but like yeah maybe this isn't technically perfect but like the I think the the rawness strips away any of the like Elaine Stritch talks about like never being caught acting like never being caught like knowing you're doing a good job and I feel like all of that was there like she was not she even says by the end she's like I can't even hear myself like you know do I do I stink like what am I doing I don't even know and I think that lack of awareness led to such a fascinating performance. I love that like little section where she's talking about never getting caught acting. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I think that 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 is going to stick with me for the rest of time. As far as just like 
when she says, when I am good, I've never been aware of it. Yeah. It's such a great formula because like the moment it's like, I specifically think of like, obviously when I've been in shows or when I've sung, but like even podcasting, like there are episodes of like this podcast or other podcasts that I've done that I was like, oh my God, I killed it. Everyone's going to love this. And like, it's just it's just like lukewarm, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or like maybe a tweet that you think is really funny. It's Mm -hmm. like trying to go viral. You can't go viral knowingly. You know what I mean? Like it's like videos that you post, like you, you can't be aware of it because that's like the beauty of going viral is that it's like unexpected. You can't force that. So like the idea of uh, not being aware of it. And it's so true. Like anytime someone like writes us a message or an email or like, it's like, oh, I didn't think it was that good at all. That's so funny that you think that it was like, or that's your favorite episode, or that's like you like right. that tweet a lot. I, but it's 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 the truth, and I love that. And I've I've never heard it articulated like that before either. Too, even though I've known it, I've never heard someone say it. Yeah, yeah, that idea that you like, it's kind of how they talk about with camp. Like, you can't intentionally create something campy yes. because it's the lack of awareness that is like the secret ingredient to true camp. And I think that. And I think, you know, not that this documentary is necessarily campy, but I think that's why this documentary is so incredible was because I don't think it was, I don't think it was aware of how incredible it was being, Mm -hmm. you know, even, you know, D.A. Pennebaker being like, yeah, we we were just doing our best and trying not to knock into anybody or make any noise. And, and like, yet what they created was just so, I mean, I think, A, the fact that like, this was intended to be a series and then this was the only one. So you think about, oh wow, imagine if there was a whole series of documentaries Ugh. of other cast albums being recorded. And, why? Why? Right? And then at Didn't the same time, this? it's like if that did if that did happen, would that have diluted the power of this? You know, being the singular experience that like yeah. we don't have a point of reference of like, oh yeah, but then when they recorded, you know, Merrily We Roll Along, then this happened, you know? Like mm-hmm. it's uh, so I think that there is, yeah, you kind of have to not know. You have to not be aware. Yeah. Yeah. It's like All Stars 2, going back to Drag Race. It's like, yeah. that was the first of its kind. It was a whole new format. It was lightning in a bottle. And then, or even when um, Sasha Velour like, did the, the rose petals. It's like, yep. everyone since has been trying to replicate that moment. And you just yeah. never will. You won't. Yeah. You yeah. might come close, but you're never going to capture that magic. You just won't. Yeah, and I think that that's certainly a an, a good point in terms of like revivals of shows and like <clears throat> like I've seen that the two that the, the Raul Esparza revival of Company and um, I've heard a bit of, I've heard a number of uh, songs from the you know the female Bobby version and there you know it, there's elements of it that are great like I actually from the 2006 2007 version like i really love what barbara walsh does with ladies who lunch like Mm -hmm. she has some really cool things that she does in that song and i love april in the oh yeah elizabeth stanley i think she's so funny Mm -hmm. uh they do that little thing with the saxophones that i think oh yeah that's right i think of you every time yeah yeah like that's genius but um I think that it's very tricky to create those kind of like iconic moments in a revival or a remake because you're always you're always going to be a derivative or point of reference from the original that didn't know it was being revolutionary and didn't know that it was making history, you know. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. It's Ugh. so beautiful. Yeah. Um yeah, I uh this is I, this documentary was a hoot. 
Um, it was. I now you have seen the documentary now spoof co-op, right? Yes, I have, and it's. I tell you what, Paula Pell, oh. I I saw a. I mean, I just love her first of all too, but like I think she has. There's something about her comedic energy that I am 100% here for. It's it's very mm-hmm. along the lines. It's like she paved the way for like Melissa McCarthy, but Melissa McCarthy got like the accolades, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like Paula Pell's mm-hmm. always been in the scene. Don't get it twisted. But like right. she's more behind the camera. Sometimes she's in front of the camera, but she's been around. And I saw this... Um, advertisement for um a show on quibi it's called oh, the, yeah did you see it it's like basically a murder she wrote and she's playing like uh the jessica fletcher role it's called like the maple thorpe mysteries or something like that and it looks mm-hmm. like a hoot it just looks great and it has like a whole bunch of like random guest stars who i'd be like so interested in seeing but um so maybe i'll check that out but paula pell ugh. i know yes yeah, she is uh i mean co-op is great and i think i don't remember who the singer was who did um the brown and the beige she, i, I mean remember. she's fabulous i mean i should i should look it up i've only seen um just the paula pell stuff i found like clips on youtube um i think but i haven't seen like the whole episode oh uh this is crazy uh brown and the beige is performed by R- renee elise goldsberry oh my lord Oh, you need to watch the whole thing. Oh, yeah, I need to find so, it. I need to find oh, it somewhere. It's, um, I feel like it was on Netflix. It's somewhere super accessible. I wish it would be. Okay, cool. Yeah. and But, oh, Paula Pell is amazing in co-op, but Renee Lee's Goldsberry is assistant to the BSA. What is, what is the spoof of Brown and the Beige on? Um, or what song? That's a good question. I don't remember... Uh, is it, it like has, Barcelona or? It probably has a bit more of another hundred people quality. Okay. Got yeah. It. Like, I don't think it's a direct spinoff, but it has that same vibe. Okay. Um, and I could be, I could be mis- mischaracterizing. Oh, that's so funny. But... There was a Renee Elise Goldsberry. Right. She's everywhere. She's everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there we go. I mean, any other thoughts on original cast album of Company and Elaine? No. It's, I wish my, my last thought is I wish this was like readily available for everyone to see. I, I feel like the musical theater queens that listen to this podcast obviously know this, but like I, I think it's such a treat for anyone who might not be familiar with or maybe has like a little bit of a familiarity with the show or Stephen mm-hmm. Sondheim because there's something to take away for everyone too. And I, I just love a behind the scenes with anything and especially like something like this i wish there was a whole series but yeah maybe i don't wish because like you said before it's like this beautiful little package i love that it's like 50 minutes it's great elaine's like the last thing that happens and i love that steven sondheim made her come in on the day of a matinee like a two-show matinee Mm -hmm. with her hair and makeup done she's like oh that's that's such steven sondheim behavior that's not what she said but it was like something like that Right, right. Like that was the reason why she was all done up because it was a matinee yes, day. Yes, yeah, yep. um, yeah. It's uh, it's so great. I mean, obviously, if you can't find the non-commentary version, the version with commentary is so good, uh, mm-hmm. and that is available on YouTube. And then there are just like clips on YouTube. Well, uh, before we move on to our BSAs of the week, I do just want to provide an update on my Emmys homework. Yes. Um, uh, I'm trying to be as informed as imp- as possible before the Emmys. Uh, obviously, I've blown through Dead to Me and now have very strong feelings about Christina Applegate. <laughs> uh, 
I stronger than I had before, and I have now watched the first few. I've watched the first, no, not the first three episodes, the first and the third episode of Watchmen. And oh. the reason I didn't watch the second one was because I was like, okay, where's Gene Smart? I'll come back to the second episode, but I'm kind of here for Gene Smart first. Yes. And I'll work my way back. Love that. Mm. So I, because I just, I, I just needed to know. I needed to know what everyone was queening out about. And uh, Watchmen is great. I mean, it is certainly uh, kind of violent. You know, it's, it's, it is what it is. It wasn't as violent as I was expecting. It wasn't unbearable. Um, but it has that tension of like, oh God, who's going to get killed next? I know. <clears throat> and that's kind of tough. But I think that uh, I'm sure that her character will evolve and will have even more acting choices through the rest of the show. Yeah. I would say from one episode, I was like, yeah, Jean Smart's great. This is mm-hmm. a great performance. Sure. I can't wait to see what else she does. But like, I love that this is Jean Smart. So um, I'm going to stick with it. I mean, Regina King is great obviously, but I'm going to stick with it just to kind of see the evolution of Gene. Okay, um, I'm excited. But it's, you know, it. I, I don't love superhero stuff. Um, yes. I think what always puts me off with superhero movies is it's kind of the weird dissonance of seeing somebody in this, like, elaborate superhero costume, but in, like, a mundane, like, location mm. where it just feels kind of silly and feels kind of ridiculous, and it's like, well, well, this. How long did it take you to put that on? Like, <laughs> I know. <yeah. laughs> you know, like this just seems like a lot of effort. Like, aren't you in a rush? And so exactly that always puts me off a little bit. Of just like, oh, this. The the note is always it always hits the wrong note for me, and so mm. I have to just kind of make peace with that, I guess. But yeah, um, I feel like uh, the reason I put off like superhero movies is because there's just like this inherent like masculinity about it too that i'm mm-hmm. like are gay people allowed? but of course it's not that we're not allowed because in fact i think there's a lot of you know secret identity not being able to reveal who you truly mm-hmm. are those parallels i know i have a, a couple of um close gay friends that were like really into like that have their superhero of choice i would say and yeah. they kind of latch on to whatever story or narrative that is too but yeah there is something like broy about it that i don't like but anytime i sit down i'm always I'll like, you know, huff and puff about it. But like, there's usually something that I really do like, especially if there's women. And there's most superheroes don't have a lot of women. Sorry. Unless it's like Wonder Woman or something. Right. I mean, that's the thing, too. It was like, oh, like I'll keep watching Watchmen. And as long as there's more watch women showing up, then then I'll show up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I know people sing the praises of like X-Men being this total like queer narrative. So I I get that. Yeah. I don't deny um, that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's 2020 and I am committing to content that I want to watch. So, uh, but I'll stick with it for Gene. So, uh, that being said, we are now into our final segment of the episode, which of course is our BSA of the week, uh, which of course, as y'all may know, is where uh, we discuss a performance or an actor or a food or a show or a thing or anything in our lives that is acting as the best supporting actress of our lives. Mm. So uh, what do you got? Um, before I dive into that, I'm just going to say real quick too, my, I didn't do any Emmy homework from last week till this week, but this Mm -hmm. week I, cause I watched the pilot and I, it is like my kind of humor and I really liked a lot of what I saw, but I'm going to try to dive a little bit deeper into what we do in the shadows. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I've heard good things. Yes. And I'm, I'm curious. It's like, I don't necessarily need you to watch it or like, I'm going to sign you to watch it, but I, 
it's a very like interesting sort of almost I wouldn't it's like I feel like it's like British humor or something like that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you've heard of it, right? You've seen like clips yep. or like other things too. Like I feel like you would like it, but then there's part of me that was like, I don't think Colin would like any of this, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm curious. Um, it's not that I need you to watch it, but I'm going to I'm gonna watch it and see what happens because I, I right. really did like the pilot and I talked to a couple of people throughout the week last week that said like, if you like the pilot, like the rest of it just like takes off after episode two and I'm like, okay. Okay. All right. So potential nominee for future BSA of the week. Yeah, I'm excited. And it, shadows. Uh, yeah. Yes. But my BSA of the week this week is more of like an experience uh, rather than like a uh, person uh, or people. But Keon and I were on a staycation last week. We talked. I talked about it last week. And um, on Saturday, we went over to our friends um, Patrick and Frank's house. They're a lovely couple that we've known for. Um, uh, a couple years now, I'd say. And we always have a great time. Their house is fabulous. They have AC. They have two cute mm. little dogs. And they mm. always have a great spread. And Patrick's house is incredible. I wish I could have taken you to his house when you were in Pittsburgh. So next time you're here, that'll definitely yeah. be on the agenda. Yeah. And we had some drinks and um, just had a gay old time. But one of the conversations that we had that was just so much fun, and I don't know how we started it, but we were talking about our elementary school teachers um, from kindergarten all the way up until like fifth grade. So we there, was, there were only four of us. So we went around and talked about each of our... Um, we're like, okay, first grade, go. And then we talked about mm-hmm. um, all of our first grade teachers. And it was so fascinating. It was almost like I wish we recorded the conversation because it was like some of them were mean. Some of them were so nurturing and beautiful and like lovely. And there was there were a whole bunch of like funny stories about just you know there were side uh, tangents and stuff like that it was just a really fun night and i i love those nights where it's just like the perfect amount of like uh you know libations and frivolity and just like being gay mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like yeah. having these conversations it was so yeah. fun um oh, that's great. and i miss that it's like i miss hosting parties I don't mind like an intimate gathering. In fact, in many ways, I kind of prefer intimate gatherings because the introvert in me doesn't want like more than six people in my house. Um, But it was it was really great. And I had a good time. So that was that. Well, that sounds great. Patrick and Frank. Yeah. And and, you know, Mrs. uh, McGillicuddy. Yeah. Mrs. (laughs) Nemeth, my second grade teacher. I'm playing words with friends with her right now. I love her. (laughs) I think you mentioned her before. Yeah, she was. And she you were the friend of the week. Yeah, that's I right. So yeah, much. yeah. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, how um, about you? Well, my BSA of the week is a show. I have finally started watching that show, Search Party. Oh, is that on Comedy Central? It's no. well now it's on HBO Max. I feel like it's ba- it was on Party. TBS originally. I think it's bounced around a little mm. bit now. All of it is on HBO Max, HBO, whatever. Um, I no, I don't know why it was one of those shows that I just like it was like dead to me. I was like I was like oh, I have this idea of what it's gonna be and I don't think I'm gonna be into it. Like, is it gonna be too like like twee Brooklyn hipster humor? Sure. And and it's it's so. I mean, I'm only like uh, probably like two thirds of the way through the first season, and there's three seasons. It's so good. It's what is so it about? Good. So and I feel like the plot keeps evolving, and so it's I'm kind of interested in like in not knowing what it's really about. But the conceit of it, the way it all starts is that uh, 
it's very much kind of a like life in your mid twenties in New York, mm-hmm. and the main character Dory, played by I always mispronounce her name, but Alia Shawkat, who Ooh, was yes, maybe? Arrested yeah. Development, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, she's just you know she's. Uh, basically like a personal assi- personal assistant to some rich woman on the Upper East Side and yeah. like just is kind of lacking direction in her life. And then she sees a missing persons poster for a girl that they had she had gone to college with. And like she and her boyfriend had gone to college together. And so it's like her and her boyfriend and then her friend, uh, pl- pl- Elliot, played by John Early, who kind of is a great... Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, he's great. And then her friend, uh, what's her name? Portia, who is... It has Annie Murphy, Alexis Rose qualities. Mm, love that. Like really like nuanced kind of, I was like, oh yeah, I love this. Um, but she, so Dory, the main character kind of gets obsessed with, you know, this girl, this missing girl. And she starts like pulling her friends into it. And it just like keeps unraveling and gets kind of like weirder and weir- weirder. And it kind of, I feel like it's this parallel mystery of searching for this girl, Chantal, and also kind of, what happens when you kind of have nothing else going on in your life and you Mm -hmm. kind of just get obsessed with something and, you know, for the hopes that it's going to like create meaning. Yes. It's, uh, it's great. It's a really, really good show. I, I was like the tone of it and the feel of it and like the, everything about it, I got swooped in, swooped in, swept in right away. Mm. So, um, and as one episode ends, you just want to watch the next one. So half hour uh, episodes. Oh, 22 minutes. Ooh, love that. Even better. Yeah, yeah. So it's great. Cool. It's great. Oh, and let me just also sell, at least in the first episode, um, oh, what's her name? Oh, my God. I'm going to blank who plays Portia's mother. Christine Ebersole Ooh, shows up. Ooh, yes. Judy Gold shows up. Okay. Rosie Perez shows up. I mean, wow. like, great, great supporting casting. So um, highly recommended. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, Keon and I, I just real quick before we wrap it up too, we were um, we were deciding that between two shows um, on one of them was on Netflix. We were uh, the Umbrella Academy. Have you heard of that? I've heard of it. Yes. Yeah, yes. it is kind of superhero. I think it was like based on a comic book from what I know. Um, Ellen Page is in it. Uh, we okay. watched the pilot. It's really good. It's actually lovely. So we might continue to watch that. But the other, we were toggling between that and I May Destroy You. And I was like, but Colin said it was really good. And I couldn't sell mm. it to Keon because the trailer is a little bit like, what is this show about? And like, I knew as soon as we started watching it that he was like, eh, maybe we should watch the other thing. Mm. Um, so it's still on my list. I might still watch it. Um, it's still out there. But the Umbrella Academy is good too. Anyway, I would say yes. I May Destroy You is so worth watching. Okay. And like, Keon, are you worth listening? N- yes, Keon, <laughs> go with me. Trust me on this one. Uh, I wouldn't lead you astray. And the yes. less you know going in, the better. Because it's cool. just, oh, it's just so genius. Um, so I find the subtitles helpful because it's pretty strong. Oh, yeah, British of course. Accents. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gotta have it. Um, well, all that being said, uh, it is time for these ladies who lunch to... Go make some lunch. Well, it's yeah. like 30 in the morning, but I'm just trying to figure out a transition. Sure, oh, play yeah. us off. Oh, <laughs> for God's sake, just play us off. Um, and we're being played off. So um, that being said, where could folks find more of you? Um, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kachanov. Just going to keep it simple this week. Sure. Yeah. yeah. 
well, you can find me on my other podcasts in the details, uh, Celebration of Nuance, and you could listen to my company episode if you want more company talk, mm. which is called On My Bobby Baby 35th Birthday. Uh, you can find me on All Right Mary, talking about drag and drag race, and um, we're going to record a Matreon today about that new Cardi B. And Ooh, WAP. Yeah. WAP. Uh, so that's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be something. That's going to be something. I can't wait oh for that. Oh my God, that song. Um, and uh, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And you can find both of us at a best supporting capacity on Twitter at BSA Pod. Yeah, and you can also send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com with thoughts, comments. What do you feel about Elaine Stritch? Let us know. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, what what Sondheim show should I be obsessed with next? Yeah, where uh, to? Help, help where me to? help Colin, yeah. Or me, yeah. too. I mean, I yeah. I know the shows. It's just as far as, like, where to go next. I've been curious about Sunday in the Park with George. Maybe that'll be my next one. Yeah. Anyway. Put that, put that on the, the thoughts I have. The least, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, Lord. Well, of course, a special thank you to all of the ladies and gents we queened out about today mm. from Donna McKechnie to Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, Pamela Myers. Pamela Myers. Barbara Susan Barry Browning. and those sunglasses. Oh, yes. <laughs> I just like, it's so funny now knowing her, like, how did you get here? But I love that you're here. And she got yes. a Tony nomination. Sarah doesn't even sing. She's just in that scene, right? Yeah, she's, she's not in You Drive a Person Crazy. No. She's just like, I think it's like the sheer star power of Barbara Barry. Yeah. Or maybe like the movie star power. It's interesting. I don't know. I guess they saw one potato, two potato, and <laughs> yeah, it was done. Uh, but in any event, and of course, a special thank you to Elaine Stritch um, for for everything. Yes. For that dump hat. <laughs> oh, for that dump hat. I can't wait to buy one on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween, um, here we come. Here we come. And that, as they say, is that's. <laughs>